0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall. Less work, more clean. Terms
2: apply. Tales for Dark Knights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Knights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's Halloween edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about local legends and gravitational graveyards. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly-lit Halloween corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Rick the Intern and T.S. Hunsaker are voice talents Jesse Cornett, Melissa Medina, and Danielle Hewitt. Now, get your ticket ready. Lower the hood of your costume. Take your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first story tonight is written by Rick the Intern and performed by Jesse Cornett and Melissa Medina. We all love urban legends and I assure you This one won't disappoint. Without further ado, I present to you, The Wrong Way Man.
1: If you see this man on the side of the road, don't drive home. Narrated by Jesse Cornett. We have this urban legend in my city called The Wrong Way Man supposedly you might see him standing on the side of the road when you're driving some say it's always when you're on your way home i've seen pictures of the wrong way man they circulate among us by text message they circulate among students workers friends and family here oddly i've never seen any of those pictures posted online I'm not sure if it's because of fear, because those who've taken the pictures want to perpetuate the mystique of our local urban legend, or because of something else. I was pretty sure those pictures had been a hoax, just someone dressed up as the wrong way man. Maybe it was the same person every time. As far as what the wrong way man looks like, he wears his tattered clothing backwards, usually a flannel shirt and jeans. His painted, smiling face looks eerily realistic until he turns to the side and you can see it's a smooth surface. It seems that he shaves his hair off, paints a face over the back of his head, and puts a shoulder-length wig on that covers up his real face. Those who I've met who claim to have spotted the wrong way men say they waited a week before driving home. Staying over at a friend's house, or at a hotel, or not even bothering to go home to pack a suitcase. I've also heard, though, that you need to wait a month. The common consensus seems to be if you see him while driving home, don't finish the drive home. Turn around, go somewhere else, and wait for at least a week. I thought it was a bunch of nonsense until my date and I saw the wrong way man when we were going back to my house from the movies. It was Katie who spotted him. Slow down! She said.
4: I think I see that wrong way man you told me about.
1: Katie had only lived in my city for half a year so one of the things I had told her on my quest to share with her as many interesting things as I could, had been our local urban legend about the wrong way man. Was it a coincidence that we'd just been talking about him a few days before? I had never seen someone dressed as the wrong way man in person. Pictures, sure, but never in person. My foot was shaking as I eased up on the gas. It was dark, nearing midnight dark, and there were either no street lights or they were off. My car's headlights lit him up on the side of the road. He was facing us. Actually, he had his back to us. That painted face was facing us. The jeans and flannel shirt and wig were all turned our way as well. His arms and legs looked wrong. They were shoved down in his clothing the opposite way. I wanted to be amused, but I was alarmed. When we got to be about 10 feet away in my car, He turned his painted head towards us those painted eyes realistic but forever held too wide seemed to be staring right into mine as we drove slowly by i waved to him and laughed to try to ease some of the tension he did not wave back i looked at katie she was waving too but she wasn't laughing i glanced back in time to see the slick side of that person's shaved painted head and the optical illusion of a real face being there was shattered shattered but somehow worse for it also when i peered into the rearview mirror as we increased our distance i thought i saw something glinting beneath the shoulder-length wig he wore then he was gone lost to the darkness I picked up speed he hadn't been walking but somehow I was worried he could come after us too quickly
4: so what do we do now
1: Katie said
4: we can't go to your home or mine
1: I glanced at her and soon we both started laughing (laughs) 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 well after tonight We'll be able to tell everyone around that we saw the wrong way man and went immediately home.
4: (laughs) I wonder who was pretending to be the wrong way man,
1: Katie said.
4: I wonder why they were doing it. Do you think we should turn back around and try and talk to them?
1: I'd rather we didn't, I said. Uh, They could be dangerous, but I'm sure it's just someone looking to keep the urban legend alive. (laughs) It's your car, Katie said.
4: But, if it was mine...
1: (sighs) Alright, we'll turn back around. My grandpa used to say, if you're in doubt which turn to make, you can always make a U-turn until you figure things out. He used it as a metaphor for life. But as I did my U-turn, my heart was thrashing in my chest. We drove down the entirety of that dark street without seeing that person again. It was a couple of miles long in that direction, so there's no way they could have walked or run the distance so quickly. Katie and I decided that the person dressed as the wrong way man must have left the shoulder of the road for the surrounding woods. The idea of them hiding in the woods as we drove by again made me feel like I had spiders crawling over my flesh. We did another U-turn and during that whole time I kept glancing around in case that person jumped at us from out of nowhere. But soon we were heading back in the direction of my house with no second look at the wrong way man. Katie and I tried to laugh it out and we tried talking about other things but both of us were pretty scared. We couldn't stop chatting about everything and nothing. glancing out the windows and into our side mirrors we turned into my subdivision then we turned onto my street and everything changed as soon as we turned onto my street we started to go backwards instead of forwards
4: did you put it in reverse
1: Katie asked her hand was gripping my arm it was as cold as ice I stopped the car. Both of us were looking down. The car was in drive. I took my foot off of the brake and put it onto the gas pedal again. The houses, familiar houses I saw every day when coming home were moving away from us. Maybe something's wrong with my car, I said. But when I tried driving forward again, I looked to the side and then in the rearview mirror, we were not moving, not according to those views. In front of us, the houses receded every time I put my foot on the gas.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start.
1: On my street, everything was well lit. There were tons of streetlights, so we couldn't argue it away as if it had anything to do with limited visibility. Let's get out of here, Katie said. Her voice was almost a whisper. Yeah, I said in a similar way. But how are we going to leave?
4: Put it in reverse.
1: When I put my car in reverse and tried that, We actually moved forward, but to the side and rear, once again, we seemed to have not moved. Like we were caught just past the entrance to my neighborhood. It was when Katie and I had stopped the car and were debating getting out that we spotted someone coming towards us on the sidewalk. They were approaching us from the front of the vehicle, so I'm not sure how accurate the distance was. It seemed like they were already about 20 feet away. I don't know why it took me so long to realize this. Maybe it was because I didn't want to, but I recognized my neighbor by the back of his head and by his body shape, which was somewhat atypical. I'd seen him often stopped working in his garden while I was driving by. He was walking backwards towards us. When he got closer, He stopped. Then, he began shouting, "Implay, implay!" over and over again, standing rock still, his back to us. Only later would I realize he had been saying, help me, in reverse. I rolled down the window. Mr. Nelson, I said, what's the matter? He stopped shouting. Now that my window was down, I could hear his body creak and snap. Blood poured out of fissures as the joints of his arms and legs changed drastically. When Mr. Nelson's head twisted all the way around toward us, I was sure that I saw the light go out of his eyes. Then. Whatever had taken over Mr. Nelson made a first step forward with the new architecture of his body. Katie and I both began to scream at that first step. I rolled up the window as Mr. Nelson loped around on strange, inhuman legs. His kneecaps and elbows had become stretched and exaggerated from being reversed. I put my foot on the gas, with the car still in reverse, and through the front windows we seemed to be careening forward, even though a glance out the sides or in the rear view showed us to still be stationary. We slammed into Mr. Nelson. Blood slashed across the windshield. The car rose and fell as we went over his body. To the sides and rear, there was no indication of the car rising and falling. I did not see a lump appear behind us. I kept my foot on the gas, still going forward in reverse. I saw a window of a neighbor's house shatter. A couple I barely recognized crawled out like baby spiders out of eggs, leaking blood and more blood as they scraped themselves against the shards in the window frame. I don't think it was because they didn't know how to open windows. When the wife paused in the window, she smiled. She intentionally rubbed her scalp against a particularly sharp-looking piece of glass. Meat and blood came away. I think I could see the white of her skull. By then, her husband was already on the ground running towards us. I sped forward. They and their house vanished in the sides and rear of the vehicle, which were again still stuck near the street's entrance. More people were coming out of their homes. They came out all twisted and broken, damaging themselves further as they exited. They ran towards us on backwards legs, churning their backwards arms. Everything about them was the wrong way. Before long, I found myself slamming on the brakes.
4: Keep going!
1: Katie yelled.
4: They're gonna catch up with us!
1: Ahead, I saw my own driveway. Someone that looked like me was talking to another person with a painted face. The painted face nodded. Up and down it nodded like a real face would do. Then, when I saw the wig shuffle and move seemingly on its own, I realized that the true face under the wig was talking, moving its lips, breathing. The wrong way man was talking to me, or someone who looked like me. At the same time, Katie was reaching over me, trying desperately to put her foot on the gas. A couple of twisted pieces of bone and meat collided with the windshield. Two faces with bunched-up folds of neck leered at me out of glazed eyes. These were faces I should have recognized. Their twisted arms continued to beat at the window even though their eyes told me that no one was home. A spider's web of cracks spread across the windshield. Its grooves caught blood. I slammed my foot on the gas while helping to steady Katie back into her seat we flung those two off and right after we ran over an entire family in quick succession I didn't have time to feel guilty these were not my neighbors these were not my neighbors these were not Katie and I both began to change I heard some of my bones break i felt it a moment later like the reverse of lightning before thunder katie and i started screaming almost in unison and about in the same tune (coughs) it was like a choir of pain and fear and fear and pain had risen up with us as instruments keep your head back (sighs) I yelled as I strove to keep my head pinned against my seat. Don't, don't let it twist around! No matter what
4: happens to the rest of our bodies, we can't let it kill us! I know,
1: Katie said.
4: Just get this car out of here. Make a U-turn or something.
1: Make a U-turn, I thought. What was it my grandpa said about life and how if you don't know what to do, you could always make a U-turn? still in reverse, yet still going forward, I wheeled the car screeching around. I didn't glance out the sides or rear. I gunned it, heading back towards where we had come from. The wrong way man waited. He waited for me at the juncture of my driveway in the street. His painted mouth grinned forever. His painted eyes were too wide and incapable of blinking we passed him and drove out of the neighborhood. Katie and I weren't out of the woods, though. I was able to get us to a nearby gas station before my legs and arms which were part way reversed and leaking blood completely gave out. We crawled out of the vehicle and onto the cold hard concrete of the gas station. I blacked out almost at once but Katie tells me she retained consciousness until the ambulance arrived. I don't envy her. We spent months in the hospital with broken bones and torn ligaments and muscle. I think the only thing that had saved us permanent damage might have been the seats of our vehicle resisting our changes. We told the doctors we had been in a car accident. They shook their heads at us and kept asking questions. I did go back home, eventually. We both did. The reason I went home was because one of my neighbors that we had run over with my car came to the hospital to visit me. They seemed completely fine, as if nothing had happened and the wrong way man had never changed them. But damage was done to my vehicle and to Katie and me, both physically and psychologically. And while our bodies are on the mend, I don't think we'll ever be the same. I feel the wrong way inside.
2: I hope you enjoyed The Wrong Way Man, as written by Rick the Intern and voiced by Jesse Cornett and Melissa Medina. More of Rick the Intern's work can be found on his Reddit profile at reddit.com forward slash user forward slash Rick underscore the underscore intern. That's www.reddit.com forward slash R-I-C-K underscore T-H-E underscore I-N-T-E-R-N As a reminder the incomparable Jesse Cornett's work can be found on our channel as well as over at the No Sleep Podcast where his vocal performances and studio production work can be enjoyed Up next we've got a second sinister story for you as written by T.S. Hunsaker and performed by Danielle Hewitt In it we'll go to a place of the fearful and forgotten A place we've all been guilty of sending things to. The toys of our youth may be long forgotten in your mind, but they certainly remember you. Now, without further ado, I present to you Where Dolls Go to
1: Die.
5: Underneath a black hill's moon, silver-red light shimmers with a Cheshire grin. Raging winds blow lullabies meant to comfort only those trapped within a forever slumber. But a little cloth-sewn soul remains restless, no sleep. There would be no sleep for her among the angry gusts bringing only death, chills, and loneliness. The park was sparsely lit, and only a single golden ray from the streetlight cast a shadow upon a lonely park bench. She found herself alone and deserted. Her threads twisted around a splintered park bench as her sad, button eyes wondered what went wrong. Why would the one who used to show her love leave her stranded in raven darkness? She had taken pride in the unconditional adoration and constant companionship that she gave the girl. Now, disappointed and feeling betrayed, she was left to wither in the cold night. A doll descended from the isolated park bench, swathed with wooden slivers, and left a single thread behind. Perhaps a memory of the life she once lived with the girl who cared so much for her. Doll roamed away from the park and aimlessly through an ancient boneyard, where tombs protruded from overgrown grass like decaying teeth, hungering to swallow her whole. With every step she took with her tiny knitted feet, another memory was left behind. She whispers, since the rumors all say that beyond the edge of the mossy graves lingers a place where all the screams of tortured life echo inside the wind's lamentation. She journeyed forward, nevertheless, saying to herself, What does a doll who no one wants have to lose anyway? But there is someone who longs for her, hiding between pines and oak, with frayed green hair pointing outwards and upwards like a horned biblical beast. Sinister Thorn, a soul-collecting fiend murmured curses behind the gale-force breeze. He's hungry as a wolf, vicious as poison, and watching as doll steps from the cryptic hollow towards the decayed ruins of an old asylum. The little doll girl teeters and tots with a sad stagger like a lost drunk into the ancient doors, where silken webs tangled into the yarn of her hair. Vines reached up, aching their dry, leafy fingers to the sky. But no one gets reclaimed by heaven here. Only the devil's touch remains evident inside this anti-Eden, a parasitical paradise brimming with black emptiness and unanswered echoes. Dahl wandered through endless corridors, knitted limbs stretched out as she felt her way through the dark abyss. She descended deeper and deeper, further down into the black until she reached an open area that must have once been a library filled with books about abnormal psychosis and mental deterioration. Shh, the shadows whispered. He will find us. He will come. The doll's tiny, fabric heart palpitated so fast that it nearly stopped, and she dropped to her knees. A little bear leaped out of the gloom, lit only by the red-silver light that crept through the broken glass of a nearby window. A small, stuffed bear surfaced from the gloom and its blood-stained stuffing unspooled like brains from his ragged, torn ear. A grisly mask covered his face, concealing what would likely have been a horrific past. Won't you look at me? doll asked. Look around you, the bloody teddy bear gesticulates with wild stub arms. The doll stared towards the bear, really examining the darkness as she began to see what he saw. A whole new cemetery grew, unburied corpses of old friends. Other dolls and sweet companions of children, all dismembered, deformed and dead, with mouths left open in a permanent O, of unending screams for mercy but the soul reaper showed none, the teddy bear said. I can't stand to see their bodies. Wet patches began to form beneath button eyes, and the little doll girl discovered that cloth-sewn souls could cry. As she began to try and dry the wet from her face, she asked what evil could have possibly happened to make all these childhood companions so lifeless, twisted and contorted. My name is Barnaby, says the bear, You have found the place where dolls go to die. Here, the sky disappears along with love. Only pain here. Only dark, slow death as your soul is ripped out from the thing with needles in his mouth. Beneath the floorboards, metal grinds like all those howling winds heard before. It's him, Barnaby says. Sinister thorn, stealer of souls. And if he gets yours, you'll never be free. Just forever stuck in the permanence of sorrowful purgatory. The breeze picks up, whistles through broken windows. The bear cackles. Blood pours from the seam on his side, puddles around him like melted cherries coagulating into his pelt. The doll runs through the shadows, her threaded dress snagging on sharp plastic bones of dead, stuffed friends who rotted too long inside this dreadful soul prison. She can no longer tell if the shrieks originate from the windstorm or from inside the asylum. She can no longer tell where she stands inside this place of untold hells. Heat emanates from the corridor, sticky with humidity, slowing her fabric-heavy body down. Tick, click, tick. A clock? Three steps closer to the door. Tick, click, tick. The sounds continue to drag out like a dying watch, and the air is boiling as if she swallowed the sun, like it's going to burn her from the inside out, burn her threads to ashes. The strange ticks and clicks chirp continuously, hypnotizing her closer, luring the doll to step beyond the veil and... Three times, on metal screeching ticks and clicks and thumping knocks like erratic heartbeats dancing in her head. What is that sound? Her voice wavers under the heat spell. Wild laughter inside the fire. It's a funeral march. A death day song. Sinister Thorn sings and she knows it's him because his teeth are needles. The red pinpricks of his eyes reflect like droplets of crusted blood. His hands wrap around her throat, quick as a cat darting for prey. She doesn't remember if she screamed as he bit those needles into her threads, unstitching her soul draining her out like the bear stuffing. She does remember the heat, never-ending, and how underneath a black hill's moon, beyond the cemetery gates, where old pioneers stay buried, where the wind screams instead of blowing gently, sits an old asylum. Where the caretaker remains in his basement smiling starving and a little doll girl cloth sewn now soulless has been set on a splintered shelf her deformed broken body tangled into the stuffing of a dead bear of other dead dolls who used to be cute and sweet as pie forever trapped in an agonizing place where dolls only ever can go to die
2: I hope you enjoyed Where Dolls Go to Die, as written by T.S. Hunsicker and voiced by Danielle Hewitt. If you enjoyed Danielle's performance, you can hear more of her on the Chilling Tales YouTube channel, where she holds the third-place championship title for 2019's Evil Idol competition. You'll also find more of her work on the Wicked Library and Creepy Podcast at www.creepypod.com. If you check her out, be sure to give her performances a thumbs up, leave her a kind word, and tell her you heard about her here on this program, and that Steve sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Now, our weekly descent into the hallowed depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight. Wish you a spooky holiday! And remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Knights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. Tales for Dark Nights.